0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing
0: or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Today's guest is Craig Witherford, of Witherford Equine. Based at Westcourt Stables in Wiltshire, Craig and his dad Gary are the go-to training team if you have a racehorse with behavioural problems or issues. Craig talked about his love of horses, his work on race days with the starting stalls and the growing importance of barrier trials. He's a real-life Dr Doolittle and I hope you enjoy episode 28. Hello Craig, welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion.
1: Hello, no, thanks for having me. How are you I'm um, under current circumstances and uh, you know the current lockdown and things like that and just having not long having a baby well not myself but my partner having a baby it's um, I'm actually pretty good actually thank you very much
0: Oh you must be tired if your wife just had a baby so Wow
1: well, I'm, I'm very fortunate I've, I've, had, I've got a baby that sleeps through the night uh, I actually have to wake her up at eight o'clock in the morning so uh, I'm very blessed to oh, say well,
0: that. that's a, well, it's a good start to 2021 anyway so congratulations.
1: Yeah, exactly I mean she was born September last year so right in the middle of um, proper um, lockdown baby so um, but no
0: couldn't be more pleased that's not her name lockdown
1: though yeah yeah it's funny you should say that I went to a few yards actually recently and you go past the odd name card and you see names of horses saying lockdown this covid this and things like that so it's I think we'll see a lot of um, horse names after this current climate anyway.
0: But your baby's name is? Uh,
1: it's Ivy. 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 Oh, right.
0: yeah. okay. That's a popular name these days.
1: It is. Don't say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, well, thanks very much for being on the, uh, the podcast today. I won't call you the horse whisperer's son because even Gary doesn't like being called that. So uh, he, no, always says, think... he always answers something else. But, uh, yeah, horseman. Um, horseman, that's it. not horse yeah. Uh, Now, today on today's show, I'm going to talk about your life with horses, uh, what Witherford Equine do, um, especially talk about the barrier trials and when you go to the races. Yeah. Uh, But to start with, I'd just like to go back to when you first got involved with horses. Was it your dad or were you naturally attracted to horses? Um,
1: Believe it or not, I mean, at the age of nine... Um, was the age I mean dad was never a person who wanted to push me into doing it um, and vice versa I'm a great believer if someone wants to do something they they have to go off their own will to want to do it and it was about the age of nine I think I turned around to dad and sort of the first time I sort of said to him that I wanted my own pony Um, and he said well look you know you've never ridden before if you want to ride you know where the horses are go and do it so, you know, at the time then we had an old hack thoroughbred called Barty, actually, that um, basically I had to learn how to put a head collar on a sixteen two x-ray source by my own and bring him in from the field, you know, tack him up on myself and get on him on myself. Um, so I was never pushed into doing it. So it was at the age of nine when I decided I wanted to be involved. Um, I then actually had a, I was breaking in my own ponies, believe it or not, by the time I was 10 years old. Um, and then I actually had a bad accident when I was about just turning 12 I think and I think it was at that time when I went home to my mum and I had no front teeth and a squinted nose that my mum turned around and said you shouldn't be doing this so you know I never turned my back on it Um, I always worked every weekend and every school holiday I possibly could you know at, at dad's yard and you know working alongside watching i mean i learned a lot more by watching than, than actually the hands-on side of things and then i turned 15 i was very good sort of with my hands making things with wood and that was predominantly what i wanted to go down to and um anyway i was in study leave just about to go to you know to do my GCSEs, and we had a horse here that um was come to us that was unrideable. And I watched a lad actually riding it, you know, it, it dropped him a few times. And I looked at dad and I said, you know what, I, I want to ride that tomorrow. Bear in mind, I hadn't ridden since I was 12, you know, oh. up until I was 15. And um, anyway, he was shocked at the fact that, you know, I turned around and said, I want to get on this. Anyway, the next morning came, I got on it, you know, it the horse did its, you know, the, the problems that it, it came in to do. And I sat, you know, sat what he was doing, the bucks, the rears, you know, the whip rounds and things like that. And um, I actually got off the horse smiling, knowing, you know, this is the route I wanted to go down. So quite fortunate, you know, by now I probably would be, you know, building houses and fitting doors and mm-hmm. all sorts. Of, you know, had I not witnessed, you know, the the buzz of actually, well, not so much the buzz, it was the fact of... Um, satisfaction of, of being able to sort these problem horses out you know which I got at, like say at the age of 15 which made me you know want to give up on like to cancelled the college course that I already had planned to do and I left school on I think it was on a Thursday I think that I had my last exam I was started working on the Friday as soon as I had you know done my last exam so I never looked back ever since
0: oh right that's well, interesting to think that you might i just assume you just follow follow dad in the, uh, in the business
1: uh, no. yeah of course i mean now i mean dad's obviously been a, a a massive help you know for i mean he's had the difficult times he's had the having to prove to people that his methods work he's had to you know racing is a very um fickle is probably the wrong word but a very um difficult industry to go in at a different angle to what people have used to you know over the last decades or years of um, yeah. you know breaking horses in or, or as we call you know we prefer to call them starting but um or dealing with these problems so he had the knockbacks the people you know um you know saying disagreeing with his methods and things like that whereas of course i've always come along where he's done the hard work as such and i've
0: yeah, just and had he's to, already established yeah. yeah
1: and and follow it you know in his footsteps but at the same time you know you've got a a guy, a dad who's got, you know, 60 or well, 40 years of experience, and then you've got this 17, 16-year-old kid coming in trying to tell people that I can do it better than you, basically, and these are fully fed adults that have been doing it a lot longer than me, it was a, the hardest thing for me was to get the people to trust me at such a young age and get them to, you know, to believe, not not necessarily compare me to dad, but just treat me as a you know someone new into the game and not just oh he's there because you know of his dad and things like that so that was the hardest thing to get the people to trust that i was able to do the job
0: now you're you're known as the duo to go to when you've got a problem with a horse um, and issues with horses what are the variety of issues and problems that you have to deal with um on
1: a day-to-day basis um I mean, if I went back to, like I say, when I first started and, you know, and within the racing industry, we wasn't that big. Predominantly, we were having your Joe public horses, your biters, your kickers, your buckers, your nappers. And it could be anything from a, you know, we've had Shetland ponies in, you know, first ponies into, you know, three to shire horses that are pulling carts. You know, we were, We had a very wide selection of horses for that calibre, but then in amongst those, you had the odd, you know, um, horse of a trainer actually was here today, Eric Wheeler, um, who's obviously retired now, you know, and dad worked his apprenticeship with Eric Wheeler through Stan Meller, and he, he sent the odd racehorse to us to sort out for the stools problems and you know after you did one and you know we were we're not a, a, pe- a company that wants to advertise you know throw everything into advertising you know the at the end of the day we go there do the job and you know and let the horses do the talking you know once they're sorted um so after that we then progressed to the racing industry got a lot bigger um they're very professional people and you know once they find a uh, you know, something that works for them, they, 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 you know, at the end of the day, we'll go into these racing yards and, you know, they, they bring us in where they, bring, you know, bring a raw horse that's not seen a set of starting stores before. And we're teaching them from day one, whereas 10 years ago, we were only predominantly going in there for the problem ones. So now they're using us more as you know let's get them in before it becomes a problem so right. which is yeah. predominantly the work that we're doing at the moment and more so now where we've had to turn not turn our back and such on the joe public horses but we've had to make a decision where we've backed off of the joe public horses and predominantly focus more on the race inside of things which is you know you're working in in numbers in in racing and and like i say it's a lot more rewarding when you see a you know a, a, a problem horse that's never been ridden before is in a yearling you, you you started this yearling and you know that he's been a problem and then in six months time you're seeing him on a, a racetrack you know winning which is is the reward that you you know which is such a, a buzz for us
0: you've obviously got a natural uh, way with horses but what are the key skills in in your job
1: so I think it's um one of the biggest mistakes people make when they're working with horses is is trying to put human thought into these animals at the end of the day they are, are a flight animal that you know they're not meat eaters they're not hunters um which is what we are you know we 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 kill to to kill to eat we you know in the you know and hunt um so you you can't think of those or you can't put the human thought into them thinking well. us we would do it this way so they must do it no you know you've got to take away that thought and and treat them as a as what they are which is a flight animal um so i mean we would walk you know we're a great believer in pressure release if you're asking that horse to come forward and you you know and that horse moves forward astride and you release that pressure that horse is going to automatically learn oh if i walk forward the pressure goes away Whereas the old fashioned way of working horses is you've got to keep the press, you know, pressure on, hold these horses. But of course, you're, you know, you're fighting, well not so much fighting, but you've got hold of half a ton of weight of animal. As a human being myself, 11 stone, 11 and a half stone, you're not going to win. So it's a it's a it's about getting into into their heads from a different angle and thinking, what would they do in this situation? How would they, you know, get a confidence from you know, are you not walking into water or not walking into a set of starting stalls, or a lorry or, you know, so you've got to think of different ways and why, you know, what's going to work for those. And and it could be anything. I mean, uh, you know, we work in a specific way of loading the horse into starting stalls or the lorry. But that specific way might not work with every single horse. You know, they, they are, are very
0: individual then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah very individual, yeah. you know, yeah. to a point where you know, you, if, if you put more pressure than you would do on a piece of cotton and that cotton snapped, some horses, that's too much pressure on them. And that's how light they can be. Whereas others, you, you know, you could probably put a tractor around them and they'd take that pressure on and not, not fight it. Whereas, like I say, some of them, if you used a piece of cotton with them, you know, and you've broke that piece of cotton, they will react and get angry with you because you put too much pressure on. So it's, the, the key to us i mean we we're very good at that we can assess a horse within seconds of what type of horse you've got whether it's angry nervous or bold or you know or it needs confidence and things like that very quickly and that's the key you know where we can get results quite quickly is because so you're
0: picking up picking up their body language a bit like they are with a with a human being of course yeah
1: of course yeah which is no different than uh you know, a lead mare in a herd would do, if, if a new horse is coming into the herd, if this horse comes in all boisterous and grown, you know, grows a hand all of a sudden, they're not going to want that horse into into that herd because they're going to, at the end of the day, they're going to take off the lead mare or they're going to challenge the lead mare. Um, so that, you know, this that's why horses would come in more relaxed and not so, you know, it, you know, boisterous and things
0: like that. But you must, as a, as a person, have to remain calm and relax yourself. Of course.
1: I mean, you, you, if you're riding a horse and you, you're worried about it, they're not silly. They, they know, you know, and you could, uh, you know, if you're, you always know, you know, I, I deal with a lot of yearlings and have legged up a lot of people in, you know, in my time. And most people within racing will know when you've got someone who's worried about riding a horse because they've all of a sudden or a certain Pacific horse as such, because, you know, you put them on a quiet one and all of a sudden they've got so much spring in their leg and they're swinging their legs on and the leg up. But then you have putting them on one that's a bit quirky and all of a sudden they feel like they're 20 stone and <laughs> they're backing off. And these horses do know. So, of course, you you're actually creating more of a problem by putting people on these horses that are worried about it. So, you know, I'm only as good as the rider on top, you know, in, in, my, in my job. And I'm very fortunate, you know, to have good staff. I've struggled for good staff, you know, and Dad would say the same thing. It's not an easy thing to find. It's good staff that are willing to learn. And, and um, luckily now, you know, I've handpicked or, or necessarily I don't really handpick them now. They come to me and um you know I've got a good team team around me at the moment which you know I like I say I couldn't be you know we certainly couldn't be where we are now without the people around us and you know which makes the job a hell of a lot easier
0: just for a bit of background at Westcourt stables what other services do you offer there because you have horses based there don't you
1: yeah I mean we about 18 months ago we had to Make a big decision on the fact is you know my daily routine would be like some days on a Thursday morning I'm leaving the yard at 4:30 in the morning and praying to God on the Tuesday before that I haven't got a race at Chelmsford or somewhere at 8 o'clock at night and might well not be in the yard the whole day. So about 18 months ago we had to make a big decision to scale the yard down, not take as many horses in because You know, you can't, these these horses need a routine. And if you're, you know, riding a horse for five days of the week and you're missing the odd one here and there, you're not going to sort that problem out. So nowadays, I mean, I hand select a lot of horses now, but um, we could have anything. I mean, at the moment, we're just sort of finishing the back end of the yearlings after the sales that have been coming in um, for starting. So Marcus Stragon just got the last couple that need doing now. I've still taken in so obviously with the all-weather racing you don't get I mean more so this year because of the fact that we lost three months last year Um, with the maidens and things like that you're still having a lot of maiden runners and I'm still screening a lot through the stools so you know predominantly I'd have the likes of the northern trainers would send their horses down that needed specific stools problems Um, you know and I've gone down a lot of the angle of Remedial work as well you know so horses that have had leg injuries and you know needed um specialist treatment to get them over that you know leg injury, whether it be treadmills or walker or turnout or anything like that so and you know to the point where um about three weeks ago I had a an a dressage well a top dressage horse where an owner had paid good money for this horse and sent it off to be started somewhere else. And they've had problems and said, you know, turn around, no, no good, dangerous, and you know. And to us, it's like, you know, we need to give that a chance. And so we brought yeah. him in, and within well, within one session, we were cantering him around, you know, very wow. relaxed and not a problem. Um, you know, and he wasn't easy, but again, the you know, we just you you you've got to basically the door although we've had to restrict the yard the gates are always open you know to to give these horses the best chance we can before people you know turn around and say you know the these horses are too dangerous so we need to keep an options open for those
0: and you also have horses there on holidays as well in the summer and that sort of thing don't you yeah
1: yeah yeah so we've got around uh 95 acres here of um grazing um, so, yeah, I mean, we will have horses here out on holiday, you know, horses that have just, you know, within a racing routine that, you know, that they've just had that one run too many and they need a come back and need a little bit of a break. And, and believe it or not, I mean, it's like, you know, yourself or anybody, you can you, you never call your anywhere else your home unless you relax yourself in there and um, this place for some reason you know we're very blessed that you know it is a very relaxing place it is you know every horse comes here and they do chill out I mean we've had horses here sent to us that don't even stay in a paddock let alone you know stand in a stable or anything like that and they've come here and they'd be an absolutely perfect um, but we you know we do tend to turn them out in a herd we do try and keep them so they're not specifically on their own. At the end of the day, these whether they're race horses or jumpers or dressage horses, they are, are, you know, herd animals. So you have to try and keep them predominantly in. If you want a horse to let down properly, they have to be, you know, kept in numbers where they, you know, they can go back and sort their hierarchy out. Who's the lead mare? Who's the lead, you know, colt or gelding or whatever? So it puts horses, you know, especially predominantly problem horses. Sometimes they need to be put that peg back by a a, you know a stronger horse you know in in a paddock as such just to you know and that helps my job then you Mm. know whereas you know they're coming in they've the horse has done the job for us of knocking this horse back a little bit and so that we're able to then go on and do whether it was the ride and all the stools work with it
0: well that's very interesting just changing the tack a little bit to um i know something that gary was very um keen on and i'm and like yourself are involved in is the barrier trials can you let us know what they involve and where where you're doing them
1: yeah so i mean the the barrier trials is something you know that we've started doing about probably the best part of five years ago now you know when i was i've predominantly stopped riding now work a lot more on the ground and one reason i can't really afford to to get hurt now but um is we had nowhere to take these horses that were going to the races, needing four pushes on them and a jockey holding on the tail and things like that. And we had no, but yet we can bring them back to the yard and there were walk straight into the stools, no problem at all. Yet, you know, they're not silly. You know, these horses know exactly when they can go to the races and play up but at home. They know they can't. So we were always had a problem where, you know, the you know we didn't at the end of the day. I don't want to be driving 65,000 miles a year, and you know my my partner at the moment, Jake Launchbury, he um doesn't want to be driving 60,000 miles a year, or or vice versa to dad. So we wanted, you know, so we don't want to be going racing every single day um with these stubborn type of horses. So predominantly, the the barrier trials were put on so that we could take these horses that were a problem on race days to build on their whether it was confidence or if they were stubborn because they were you know worried about something um, and we can do it on between the white rails as such and under race conditions where we can get three or four horses around them and you know up to the point now we're up to 10 runners in each trial now and and um, so that helped us massively for those type of horses and then the more you thought about it you thought well look at these babies you know these babies these trainers are getting babies in that you know back in november time and they're running in april may sort of time but they're not allowed to take them to a track and put them in the stools and get them to relax in that environment under race conditions so we you know now we put you know predominantly have massive numbers of two-year-olds that go there that go there so they're not restricted to a time as where the race is off and they're getting left behind and not going in the stalls or they're getting worked up being tacked up you know everything's very relaxed and you know you want at the end of the day you want the horse to go to their first day at big school as such with and come back with a smile on the face and that's what the barrier trials do you know and And you're you're going to
0: Is it Lingfield, one of the courses you're going to?
1: Yeah, so we, Lingfield were the first race course to open their arms up and say, no, I fully want to support you. Whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. And um, and then, obviously, we got to um, Wolverhampton uh, two years ago. We got them on board, and then last year, just before the COVID and everything like this come into and lockdown, we were starting at Southern and Newcastle for the Northern trainers, so it's gone literally covered the the whole of the UK now, which is which is a good because we had the Northern trainers having to bring them all down to to Lingfield to sort these problem horses out or to educate their babies. Um, I mean, I was at uh, Brian Miam's this morning and we did 19 horses there, and he came up to me after and he said, you know, God, you may you know you've just made those 19 horses the first time they've ever seen the stalls look so easy and he said when's your next barrier trials And I said look you know uh, they'll start again in the second week in March and he said you know what I've been training 28 years and um, last year I doubled the amount of first time out winners that I've ever had in my career so and that last year was the first year he started to use the barrier trials with these two-year-olds so of course it's proof is there that these these horses do need these barrier trials in order not so much in order to 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 win first time but it just proves that it helps them mentally physically they come on so much more that they're not going to i mean i i wouldn't want to go to a racetrack be pushed and shoved into a starting stall, no, and then no. jump out and then told to run as fast as i possibly could the first time, I'd want to go there and come back with a smile on the face. So the next time you go, you think, right now I know what this is about. Now I'm going right. to do the job, yeah. which is which is why we've had such success. I mean, Archie Watson's another one, and Eve Johnson-Orton, and even to Richard Hannon as well. You know, they've all been great supporters and had very high success with these with these barrier trials.
0: So it's all a sort of program, and your horse can do it at um, their own stable, then the barrier barrier trials, and then as you've seen winning races do you think there should be more more barrier trials than there are even now
1: i think uh, there has to i wouldn't say that the likes of you know you your likes of john gosden's and uh, william Haggis's and roger varians i mean we, we work closely with all of those with all their stalls horses they're able to to train their horses almost in a racing conditions at home because they have so many babies, they have so many unraced horses, and they're able to put themselves in a situation where, you know, they can put them under similar circumstances as a racehorse, but I think predominantly for the, the smaller trainers that have, you know, have only got ones or twos or, or a handful of two-year-olds, they, they aren't able to put the, those horses into a situation like a race day. <laughs> So definitely, I mean, the more that's put on, can only benefit. You know, it will make the little people be able to catch up with the, the the bigger trainers. And you know, we work in a an industry that you only need a bit of luck and you're you're away. And I think predominantly the barrier trials definitely help. You know, people with with endless, amount, whether it be a problem horse or or a, or an unraced horse, you know, go in there for confidence.
0: And because of the. Um current covid outbreak and the the national lockdown are you not allowed to do it at the moment or
1: um so we were allowed there was a lull lull at the start of last year where obviously we we had a first plan we actually held one on in march last year and then we had to stop during obviously the racing lockdown for the three months or just over two months Um, and we were able to start again in june the same time as racing There was no one to say that we couldn't put them on in between. But, of course, we didn't we didn't want to step on anyone's toes and just say, right, we're going to put them on. You know, we wanted to make sure everything was done right. I mean, we do do all the temperature checks. Um, We do. Everyone has to do a health questionnaire the same. We try and keep it exactly the same as the racing industry now. I mean, the BHA were very helpful this year in that. you know, they were restricting where they, they wasn't allowing stalls tests to be held on a race day. Whereas, um, so of course, they moved them to our barrier trials, which of course helped them. Um, you know, so we had starters there where, and I, I think going that angle would be so much beneficial for the BHA to be able to take these horses that are, are a problem on the track to a race environment, you know, on a normal day to day. I will go down to the start half an hour before the first and do a stools test with um, a racehorse that refused to go in or went underneath the front gates. On their own, half an hour before the first race, you know, ninety-five percent of horses on their own are gonna stand there when their adrenaline's not pumping under race conditions. But yeah, at these barrage trials, we were doing stools tests with, you know, five or six other horses around them in an environment where they they were put under more pressure or, or similar rather similar pressure as they would do on race day so you were actually learning more from that than you would on a normal stools test half an hour before the first when they stood there on their own for for one minute
0: so are you actually doing is there because flats it well, say turf season hasn't started again won't start again until march are you doing some barrier trials at the moment or uh
1: no so their first one this year will be in march second normally the second week in march um for, Predominantly, I think you push for numbers during the winter. Of course, there's yeah. not so many unraced horses, right. um, whereas in March, it's sort of two, three weeks before the first two-year-old race. Yeah. So you would get a lot of the real early, sharp two-year-olds going to these barrier trials in, in March. Um, and of course, it wasn't, I mean, at the, when we started this, it was off our own back. It was off our own expense, you know, to a point where we still don't charge for them now because at the end of the day they help us on a daily routine with the ones that are problem on on race courses um so you know like i say we we're not there to make money from them we're we're there to um you know to help every trainer and you know predominantly for the horse at the end of the day which is why you know i eat dinner at night and because of them you know it it is predominantly we're here for the horses
0: well it certainly must be helping uh, you know the Uh, the horses the jockeys as well when they're getting on quite you know young horses that can be quite uh, sort of flighty their first runs and also the um, uh, people who are going racing the punters who are getting a a horse that's more used to going in the stalls um, on race day so good a win 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 for everyone really
1: exactly I mean the next step would be that I think that we would probably have to register on a race day that these two-year-olds have been to a barrier trial, you know, because at least, you know, for the public side of things, you know that, okay, this has been to a barrier trial. And I know for a fact that, you know, a lot of these jockeys, if you're getting a leg up in the paddock on a, you know, and you've got 10, 20 two-year-olds walking around the paddock and a trainer goes up to you and he's just about to leg you up and he goes, Oh, this has been to one of Witherford's barrier trials, you know, full damn well that that jockey's going to relax Mm, he's going to yeah. know he's been put, that horse has been put through the situation already and he's going to be able to ride, a you know, ride a race on it a, a lot easier than someone who, who, like I say, hasn't been to a barrier trial. On
0: On the subject of race days, how often do you go to race days?
1: So I wouldn't miss many meetings um, really? between myself and Jake and dad. You know, we're pretty much racing every single day today's actually one day that I'm not actually to be (laughs) fair but I'm not so certain I want to go to Southall on a Tuesday evening but um but no during the summer I mean we would be every day it'd be relentless you're you're working in the mornings at trainers yards or you're working at at our yard um, and then going on to a day meeting and then you're going on to an evening meeting on a normal circumstances I mean we can't do two meetings at the moment but I can send Jake to to lingfield and i can go to nottingham um in an evening but yeah predominantly we would cover two, two to three meetings a day you know and you'll joins, be down
0: at the start at, you'll be down at the start on 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 race days yeah
1: uh, yeah yeah every, yeah like i say uh, pretty much every single day you know whether it be you know i could be going to lingfield i mean we're on friday i think we've got two meetings on friday and i've got four entered at one track and five at the other track and I think two out of the, those two of them running the same race, and so yeah, you, you predominantly. But a lot of trainers now are not only booking you for their problem ones; they're booking you for their nervous ones, or not so much their fancied horses, but horses that they just don't want anything to go wrong. So for for a trainer who's under pressure from an owner. You know, you can't afford that horse not to go in the stall. So at least if if I know if I was an owner and said, um, you know, and the trainer turned around to me and said, oh, it's OK, I've got Witherford's down at the start, you're automatically going to relax because you're going to realise, well, you know, we've got the best as such down there. If it goes wrong, you know, at least we've covered every angle.
0: Well, hopefully they say the same when they, when they say they've got Witherford's son down at the start as well as Witherford's dad, you know yeah yeah
1: exactly i'm sure well i like to hope they they have now now i'm getting on a bit myself now anyway
0: now you've looked after some famous horses as well have you yourself looked after some famous horses
1: yeah i think the one that we're obviously tagged to the most would be see the stars Um, uh, myself anyway predominantly because i was the first person to ride him away um was a year when um we just got a phone call from John Ox, actually, out of the blue, to say, um, I want you to come over and start all my yearlings. And at this time, he had all the Aga Khans. And, of course, when Dad told me, it was, Jesus, John Ox, you know, what, uh-huh.
0: uh,
1: unbelievable, you know, and so excited. To, you know, And you're packing your bag the night before to go on the ferry, and, you know, you're driving down to, you know, it was his, at his farm where he had all these yearlings. And um, he said, you know, it was the first time I ever met John, on and I was in awe of you know the fact that I was meeting John Ox myself and a a true gentleman you know he is and um, he basically said to dad you know how you know how do you want to start this and he said well you know I'll let Craig get on a couple and then what we'll do is I'll here work in one barn and I'll go up to another barn and we'll have a rider each and we'll work our way through 80 yearlings. and um, so he said okay and he said to his head lad there he said go and get Galileo's brother and I, I'm stood there thinking, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to ride this brother. Anyway, within I think it was 12 minutes, um, I was on his back, cantering around this barn. And the feeling from that moment on, you know, you just knew he was a, a different type of horse to whatever I had, you know, ridden in, in the past. He was just so clever, just so willing to learn, you know, and I mean, I can I know one day when we, we used to always his stable back window was facing the entrance to the indoor barn where we were you know starting these yearlings and every single day he'd he'd watch these you know see the stars and have his head out of this back door window whereas everything else you know wouldn't really interested but he was watching everything you know he wanted to know what was going on from day one he knew he was a, a different type of horse but I mean I've that was a, a massive thing for me as a, you know, as a young kid to be able to say I've done that.
0: So um, did you work with him quite a lot or was it just as a yearling you worked with him? So or?
1: we did him as a yearling and then yeah. dad actually had to go back um, after his two-year-old career. He had to go back and work him. Um, obviously, in Ireland, they do a lot of work in stocks, you know, whenever the vet's in and things like that. And he actually jumped out of a stock. Um, so dad had to go over there and work him. To get his confidence back you know for whilst being in these stocks and then ever since that day john you know ox said um you know i want you down at the start so he, you know dad loaded him down at the start you know to win the you know the jodmont at, at york and and the derby in the guineas um so yeah it was a great thing to have such an involvement in but i would get you know like, i mean our biggest my probably biggest name for myself is batash you know he he's uh he's to me now he's not a problem horse he's a typical sprinter who you know if he boils over before he's going to lose his race it's a it's what sprinters happens to sprinters would i say he's he's a problem horse now definitely not i think he's he's now you know we've got a routine that works for him um you know which predominantly i mean his form speaks for itself last year but as a two-year-old he was a handful you know he was a handful to the point you couldn't even put him on a horse walker put him on a lorry let alone try and get him to stand in a stall for less than two seconds without ending up upside down but which is the reason why we said to you know angus gold look you've got no choice but to to Mm geld this horse And I know it's something that gets mentioned every year, you know, for the, the public say, so, you know, why is he gelded? But he is a horse that had to be gelded, you know, and he wouldn't never have reached the highs without without that. But it, I'm not. I would get the same buzz from from him winning like he did last year, every race he won uh, ran in last year, um, as a horse. Like I had a horse called Dick Doughty Wiley when, and I would have probably been only 18 or something. It was one of John Ox's, uh, not John Ox's, uh, John Gosden. And he was 16, three, six, you know, massive, great big uh, three-year-old. And um, I remember going there and we hadn't long done an awful lot of work with him. Dad dads. So basically, John told him what the situation, we loaded him in. He went absolutely crazy in the starting stores. And anyway, he walked this horse in and there was not so much wounds but you could see injuries what he had done to this horse had done to himself from front legs to back legs to head to you know everything and dad turned around to me and said right you're going to stand in there with him and of course I'm going Jesus you know and it's you know you wouldn't get in a lion cage that's you know 20 meters square knowing you've got somewhere to run yet I'm going into a, a set of starting stores where they're you know their hind quarters are touching the back gates and their heads are literally up against the front and I've got to stand in there with this but the minute I stood in there with him you could see his eyes soften his whole body language softened and you know to a point where when I used to go down to the start with him you know and he I think he won the uh, winter derby at Lingfield or definitely won the trial anyway and placed in the winter derby but um the minute you put that rope, you know, on that, you know, through the bridle or, or you know, a halter on him or whatever equipment we use, you can see them soften and relax, and that's where you think, do you know, what this is why I do the job. You know, they get me and I get them, which is what, which is like I, if I say, the main reason, what the satisfaction you get from doing this.
0: I was going to say it must give you great job satisfaction. You've just answered the question I was going to ask you. Yeah. So, so, but uh, I can see the smile on your face. Now, what about the, the future for, you know, Witherford equine? Is, is Gary ever going to retire? Or?
1: Oh, I, I don't know. Um, I said, I've always said along, you know, ever, ever since I was old enough to really think about the future, I've always said I don't think that will ever retire. Um, but I think he's that dad is at an age now where his body, he's, he's had the kicks, the bangs, the, you know, the falls and, and the, you know, and, and being hurt in the past by trying to, you know, by learning these methods. I'm 34 now. Um, and very fortunate in that he's done, he's had all the knocks, the bangs, the bruises and the cuts and taught me a way where uh, I touch wood. I've been able to avoid a lot of it. So I think his his it's his body that's going to be te- at the end of the day is going to tell him he has to slow down. I mean he's slowed down a lot more on the physical side of things now. I think he's he believes I'm capable of, of running it and um, being able to to bring the business onto another to, or to c- continue the business in this di- direction. Um, so I think his body's going to end up telling him. But he I mean at the end of the day animals is his life, horses is his life. You know, he's always going to be around, you know, but as for where I'm going, I mean, it is, it is I mean, like I say, racing is a massive, massive industry that you can reap rewards left and Centre whether it's just dealing with a young innocent horse that's never been ridden before or to dealing with you know the likes to see the stars Batash Equiano or, you know the list is is endless I think we had 23 group one winners in a year calendar year um, one year so um, you're never going to lose that buzz and so for Witherford Equine it's something that um, is only going to continue to grow and grow I'm very fortunate actually now that I think I mentioned earlier that I've got a lad called Jake Launchbury that's just come on board. And it's been a big thing and a very difficult thing to find someone who can come in under me. I should have started breeding 10, 20 years ago. That's probably what I should have done, but I've only just started now. Um, I've been fortunate to find someone who trainers trust, which is a big thing, and I fully believe that he's capable of doing the job alongside me so that I'm able to not let people down and continue with the FedEx that point to grow um, so that where it goes now is, is the are the limit basically you know so there's I would never turn if someone come to me and I could see something special in them I'd only make the business bigger in order to accommodate those them people
0: well thank you very much for that I can I can tell just in your voice your love for horse racing and the horse Thank you very much for being on The Paddock and the Pavilion and for chatting with me this afternoon.
1: No problem at all. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pab. Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.